It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. It is, it is so good to see all of y'all here. Our scripture reading for today will be from uh, 1 John uh, verses 1 through 7. And uh, I'll be reading from the uh, NASB edition. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message, and we have heard from him, and we announce to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let us pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this day. We're so, just so thankful for the opportunity to be able to gather together in uh, your, your house and be able to worship you, Father, with song, with scripture, and with a sermon, Father. It's just so, uh, so good to be able for us to still to be able to do this in freedom, Father, and not have any retributions for worshiping you. And we just pray that for the rest of our lives that we, we will continue to be able to do this. And Father, we just ask that you be with everyone here today. We just ask that you have their hearts and their minds open so that the words that come out of uh, the mouths of the people today, Father, that's proclaiming your word, that they will receive it and that they will take it with them and that they will learn to understand and know it. And we ask forgiveness of our sins. These things we ask in Jesus Christ. Amen. 2022 was a busy year for us uh, in the food pantry. Uh, I've got some slides to uh, give you some statistics about it that we're going to uh, go through. Uh, but just to give you all an idea that what makes this food pantry operate. We have 28 volunteers that makes this happen. This is not one person, but with all of us working together this happens. We not only have to have people to work on Tuesdays, we have to have a lot of people working other days of the week. When trucks come in bringing the food, that has to be unloaded off the truck, brought into the food pantry, has to be put on the shelves. Once it's inside the food pantry, then our workers that come in on Tuesdays, our volunteers, they take it off the shelves and distribute it. That's a pretty good job. And when y'all see the numbers, I was kind of astonished when I put them together. But, but y'all will see what last year was a really 
trying year for us. Uh, I don't expect this to happen in 2023, but uh, only God knows. And if, uh, if he brings the people to us that need the food, we will get the food and we'll get it to them. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us motivate each other to acts of love and do God's work. Next slide. Where our foods come from. Y'all can see since 2011, we've served over 833,000 pounds of food right in the basement below where I'm standing. Uh, each year, we get most of our food from the Atlanta Community Food Bank. You can see last year we got 52% uh, Midwest Food Bank in uh, Peachtree City. Uh, that food is free. Uh, last year, we got 20% of our food from them. We purchased 16% locally. Uh, that 16% is a little higher this year uh, than normally, but uh, we could not get any hams or chickens for Christmas, and so uh, we purchased the meat from Walker Meats. Uh, we go to Temple every Thursday, uh, uh, Bimbo Bread Company, the day-old bread, they give it to organizations like ours, and there are many scattered throughout this section of Georgia, and they come in from Alabama also, and they pick up bread on Mondays and Thursdays, and we go on Thursdays. The other food, the donations, you know, I, I was asking for peanut butter every week for a long time, and so y'all brought a lot of peanut butter, so that's included in that 4%, and, and thankful below me now is a probably 40 cases still of peanut butter, so I am in good shape on peanut butter. Next slide. Where'd our money come from? Most of our money comes from uh, Southern Power Company, our fundraising project. Uh, that's thanks to uh, Javon Lane, who works with Southern Power, and uh, they have been doing this project for several years. Uh, that we have a golf tournament uh, every fall, and whatever proceeds uh, are left over after we pay the expenses, uh, all that money's run through the food pantry. I pay for all the expenses through the food pantry, and then what's left we get to keep. Southwire makes a generous donation, uh, Carol EMC each year. Uh, last year we received a very generous donation from West Georgia Realtors. Uh, there was an estate uh, that uh, I was in charge of. Uh, the daughter said that she did not want the money so I split the money up. I told her what I was going to do with it, and she said that was fine. I split the money up between our food pantry and between the American Legion. Uh, we had a lot of dollars come from individual donors last year. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit more in another slide. Uh, members like y'all, y'all would give money just occasionally to the food pantry. Uh, until I need money from y'all, I'm not going to stand up here and ask for money. As long as we can raise our funds and we can operate on our own, I will not be uh, at this microphone saying we need help. Uh, a lot of other Heard County citizens that donated to food pantries, you know, we got three sisters, 
uh, hours, Glenlock Community Outreach and Heard County Food Pantry. Uh, people in the county just mail checks to the, uh, to the food pantries occasionally. Next slide. Now this is, this is what was interesting for us last year. I, for the last presentations, I've just been doing the two years. But when I saw the difference, I added a column to show you the increase. And at the end, I'm going to ask all my food pantry workers that are here today to please stand. But we knew we worked hard last year. Uh, it put a strain on us on sometimes. We had to call in extra folks sometimes. Uh, but we managed to get all this done. The food that we distributed last year, as you can see, increased by 49% from 122,000 to 182,000. That's a lot of pounds of food to, to go out behind the back of this church. Number of households that we serve, uh, up 54%. Number of persons we served, up 37%. Number of children increased. 46%, number of senior citizens you see was 62%. Uh, and, and just those of you like that don't know this type of stuff because it only we only know this when I deal with the food pantry and other people. But all of us that are on Social Security and those of you that may have read about it in the paper, you know, they gave us an 8.9% increase in our check. Well, let me tell you what that done to senior citizens, that that's their only income. Most widow women and widowers, they draw anywhere from 800 to 11 and 12 and $1,300 a month. That's it. So they qualify for food stamps. That 8.9% on their Social Security bumped their income up that they took away over 60% of their food stamps. The government did not take into consideration that increasing their checks is going to knock out their food stamps. The, the stories that I'm hearing from three different deliveries that I've made, they were getting like $110 in food stamps. They now get 37 And all three stories were the same. I mean, that is just sad is what has happened. So we may still see uh, this trend uh, this year. Uh, I do know that the deliveries that we make has increased. It is more than triple the people that call that uh, need food delivered to them because they have no transportation. Next slide. Our operating expenses. We spent $14,000 on food. We spent $14,800 on our box truck. Uh, because I use the box truck every week in some capacity, I've just started parking the box truck uh, at my home. Uh, Neil knows that. He knows that if it's needed, all he's got to do is call me. 
We have a spare key downstairs that's uh, available to anyone with a key to the food pantry. But $14,000 we spent on repairs on that truck. We had to uh, put new tires on it and then we had some major repairs that we had to do, not to the engine itself, but to the computer stuff that makes that engine run, because it's a diesel engine that's run by computers. I want y'all to know just, just how God works in our lives. Each time that I had a major repair, three different times, either before or after, that repair, a very generous donation came in. Not a dime of that $14,000 had to come out of our funds to pay for the repairs on that truck. Our supplies, takes a lot of supplies that we have to use down there with the system we go and just to make things operate. And then we always have other expenses that are, are just none categories. But to make that food pantry operate just last year cost us $42,800. And through God's grace, the funds came to us to make that happen. The balance in the bank is still the same as it was at the beginning of the year. That's how God works. Next slide. I'm going to ask all of my uh, volunteers that are here today in the food pantry if they would stand up, and I really wish y'all would just take a time, time and look around at all of those. Would y'all stand up now, those that are here that work in the food pantry? It is my honor to work with these people. It is my honor when I call on you, you respond, and that makes my job so, so much easier. Thank y'all. How's everybody this morning? Good, good. All right, if you'll stand, we're going to begin worship with Holy, Holy, Holy. And I'm going to ask that my choir members come up during that time as well.
continue this morning with singing a song that Neil kind of mentioned in his sermon last week, and that's um, Lord Be Glorified. since our new year really has really emphasized prayer to us as a church um, and how to pray and why we need to pray. Um, and this morning's even going to kind of continue that just some about the oneness we can have with God. And so the choir wanted to sing one of our favorite songs, which is Pray Now. Um, and while we're singing this, we encourage you to just kind of let those words speak to you. And if you feel led to pray where you are at the altar, it's always open. Um, and we, so we just pray that this song encourages you to just talk to God.
we'll stand, we'll sing one more together before our sermon. We're going to be singing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Father, Lord, thank you so much um, for just allowing us to come into your house, God, and Lord, to just be blessed by hearing, um, Lord, how even though we are um, unworthy, God, you're using us in a mighty way. God, thank you for the leadership of our food pantry, and Lord, thank you for um, each person who's come and that um, we've just been allowed to bless with food, God. Lord, we just pray that you continue to use our church, God, um, to feed your people, God, but Lord, not only... Um, with food, literally, God, but, Lord, to feed us spiritually, too, God. Lord, may this be um, a place where people come to um, just reset each week and be fed your word, God. And, Lord, may it speak clearly to us, and may we just um, be shown, God, the ways that, that we can be closer to you, Lord, and the things in our life that we just need to lay down to you in prayer, God. Lord, this morning, may, may no one leave here without praying, God, um, the things that you've put on our hearts, and as we leave here, God, may we have ears to listen. Lord, we just love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going with Miss Terry in the back to Children's Church at this time. Hey, thank you, Miss Catherine. As children leave this morning, John 17 is our passage of Scripture today. For the third consecutive week, we are in the high priestly prayer of Jesus, and this is Truly sacred ground. Um, I want to thank Durell for the leadership of our food pantry ministry. 
It is time well spent to be aware of what takes place there, the needs that are there. One thing Darrell failed to tell you was that today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Darrell. Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. That has to mean uh, that we care about the physical and the spiritual and the emotional needs of other people. And all of us are in deep need of being fed in those three ways. So I'm grateful for the love that God has for us to allow us the privilege and opportunity to feed and to be fed in all the, the ways that he does. So let's look at John chapter 17 beginning with verse 20. This is section 3 of the high priestly prayer of Christ and I want us to hear what Jesus is saying this morning from this prayer in his intimate prayer to the Father in an audible voice so that he himself not only can pray and be prepared for what is ahead being the cross and suffering and then the joy that is beyond that through the resurrection, but he's preparing his followers, he's preparing his disciples, and he's also preparing us. So in the context of this prayer, we are about to observe and remember and celebrate communion. So let's walk through the text and let's do so with the awareness that this is all going to culminate and it's all going to build up to the way Christ commanded us to remember how he has loved us and fed us and saved us in the elements of the bread and the cup. So there's a lot going on here. But I want us to see what the text says first. Jesus prays in verse 20 of John 17. I do not ask in behalf of these alone. That is in reference to the twelve, the apostles, that last week we see. He specifically prayed for them. Here's good news for you and me. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Well, who are those who believe in him through the word of the apostles? That's you and me. That's all believers scattered across all generations and all geographical boundaries, this implies that the mission of the early church was going to be successful as they went out and shared and preached and lived the good news. So in this prayer, there is a future element as Jesus prays for those who what will believe in him through the apostolic preaching of the word. That's verse 20. But look at verse 21. And here's the heart of the message this morning. His prayer is that they may all be one. We're talking oneness. We're talking fellowship. We're talking the word koinonia. A sharing, an intimacy, a common participation in something where we set aside our selfish agendas, which we all have, our self-preferences, which we all certainly have, 
and for the sake of God and his kingdom and the health of the organization, which is his church, he's praying that we would be one. Now, I'm taking this also as not just, you know, Glenlock Baptist Church would be one, but that all Christians, all believers of all generations and all gener geographical domains, all people groups who call upon the name of the Lord, that we will all be one. So this connects us back to not only the apostles, but back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by the way, it just came to my mind. You know, preaching is good for the mind, I think. One day we will all be together. Jesus promised that there will be a supper in the kingdom with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and people from all the four corners of the world. So we meet this morning knowing that this prayer is going to be answered. That we really will dine one day with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That this meal that we are going to observe this morning is a foreshadowing and a foretaste of what God is going to do in perfecting oneness in eternity to come. The, the, the question and the rub is, will you be there? That's the question. The question is not whether or not there is going to be this perfected gathering of people from all over who trust and know God. The question is, who's going to be there? I just digress into a, a mini-sermon about the future glory meal. Okay, so let me get back to the text. Where was I? Well, we may be here all day. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that they may all be one, even... This is amazing. This is so rich. There's no, there's no way for me to fully ex explain this. Even as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be in us that the world may believe that thou didst send me. Now you go home, and you read that, and you pray through that, and you ask God to show you what does that mean, because the unity that we are to have within ourselves and all relationships is to reflect the way God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit relate to one another. How does God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, those three persons, how do they relate to one another? Well, that's for us to, to, to pray about and learn about because that's the unity that we're called to reflect in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. And that's the kind of harmony that I'm to have within my own personal life. So there's an ideal, okay, that one day we will reach, but here is still a struggle. The song we just sang, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, right? And if we ever sing about an ideal, that's it. <laughs> what a fellowship, what a joy divine. That's only possible as we all are leaning on the everlasting arms. Look at verse 22. The glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, just as we are one. I in them, thou in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know, that the world may know that thou didst send me, and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. Wait a second. Did you just pray 
that we would know that God loves us as much as he loves his son Jesus? That's what the text says. We're not going to diminish this to say something that it doesn't say. And we're also not going to make it say something that it doesn't say that would overemphasize it. But it is what it is. He prays that we would know that God loves us as much as he loves his son. And that is a staggering truth that Satan does not want you to believe. He wants you to be so wrapped up in yourself, so wrapped up in your sin, so wrapped up in your failure that that you could not dare believe that God loves you as much as he loves his perfect son. He's going to say it again at the end of this text. I don't even know where I was. Verse 24, Father, I desire. You're getting a clue into the heart and the desire of Christ and of God right here. Father, I desire that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's what love does, doesn't it? Love wants to be with the beloved. Be with us. Be where we are. That's verse 24. In order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou didst love me. Thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. Love existed in eternity past. With the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Before the world began, there was love. In fact, I've got a note in my Bible that says, I don't know where it came from, but I wrote it in here because I really liked it. Mutual love spilled out of heaven and created the universe. Mutual love spilled out of heaven and created the universe. What is the biblical foundation for that type of statement? The fact that God the Father loved the Son before the foundation of the world. So the whole universe was created out of this love. That's why you and I care so deeply about relationships. Relationships. It's the relationship. Stupid. (laughs) Sorry. I'm borrowing from a presidential statement years ago about the economy. It's the relationships. Why? Because by design we were created out of love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 25. O righteous Father, although the world has not known thee, I have known thee, and these have known that thou didst send me, and I have made thy name known to them, and I will make it known that, here it is, verse 26, that the love wherewith thou didst love me may be in them, and I in them. Again, one more comment. That the love that God the Father has for the Son might be inside of us. And that Christ would be inside of us. Now, so obviously we're talking about spiritual, supernatural work going on inside the life of the believer. It is nothing less than the life and the love of God dwelling in the souls of men. So, I'm going to go ahead and pray at the end because I just kind of preached this as I went and that was not my intention but I do want to give you some a framework this morning some let's put it like this today with 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 what we have before us as we 
look forward to communion. I'm just going to give you the headlines. You know how you get all these headlines through your social media, old-fashioned news. You got the headline, and then if you're interested in the headline, you might read the finer details. This morning, I'm going to give you the highlights and the headlines, and it's your responsibility as a believer to grow in understanding and applying these truths. So I'm going to give you the, the, the headlines. Now, it's one thing for the world around us to be in constant chaos, conflict, and division. We see it all the time. Just this past week, the world has given us headlines out of California. We've had headlines coming out of Memphis. And you can go down a rabbit trail about all those headlines and, 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 and just the, the divisiveness and the comments and the rhetoric about why those things happen, what we can do to solve it. But then you also have headlines coming out of Atlanta driving around 285. Every week I get some picture, some video of something chaotic that's happened on I-285. And then there's Waffle House. And I may have said this before, don't ever get in a fight in Waffle House and don't mess with their waiters and waitresses. They are tough, man. And then there's your house and my house. It's one thing to get those headlines from the world around us, but to have those headlines among believers. Today the title is God's Passion for the Unity of His People. God is passionate for the unity of His people. The fellowship and koinonia that we are to have both with God and with one another. The whole essence of Christianity is to restore us to a right relationship with God and people and ourselves. That we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if there's any indictment, against sinful man, it is our inability to relate rightly to God, others, and ourselves. So what do we do? Well, the good news is we have a Savior who not only prayed for unity with God and with people, He not only prayed for it, but listen, here's what, what dawned on me. He didn't just pray about it, and He didn't just pray for it. He did the work we needed to execute it and to make it a reality. So he follows this prayer with the giving of himself on the cross. So what we have before us this morning in the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus is the answer to his prayer. Does that make sense? That he prays for unity with God and among the church. And then he sacrifices himself so that that unity would become possible through Forgiveness and transformation and future glory. So what are the headlines? Number one, we have before us the priority of unity among God's people. Pastor Neil, why are you calling unity among people a priority? Here's why, because he prayed for it. If Jesus prayed for unity among believers, then it must be of utmost importance. It must be of essential importance. Here we have vital work going on. What did he not pray for? Well, that we would be comfortable. 
wealthy, successful, popular? Oh, there are many believers that are all those things. But most of us, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, are not that noble, we're not that well-known, we're not that well-respected. In fact, most people call us the hoi polloi. <laughs> what are those peasants doing gathering together on a weekly basis? That was the reputation of the early church. And Jesus said, if they hated you, they're going to hate. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. But obviously, unity within the church, within God's people, is of utmost importance because for that he prayed. Number one on the prayer list of Jesus was unity within the church. That's, that's very telling, isn't it? You know, just from a pastor's perspective, one of the things this reminded me of is that I know a lot of grandmothers that I've dealt with through the years, including my own two grandmothers. And you, you know what they wanted at, at that point in their life more than anything else? They wanted their family to be together. And I've heard them say that after we're gone, I hope y'all will stay together. I hope y'all will love one another. I hope y'all put aside all your differences and all your conflicts and all your petty disagreements. I hope y'all will be together. That's just something I think God has ingrained in us because we're created in His image. I, I've got to move on. The priority of oneness. Number two, the place of oneness. Where do we go to have this kind of unity and fellowship and koinonia? Jesus tells us where to go. That they also may be one in us. One in us. God is in us. And the place we go to be one with one another is to go into the oneness that God has in himself. There is a place that oneness exists. And that's in the Godhead. It's in God himself. Three persons Co-equal, co-eternal, unique in personality, unique in function, but he alone is this source of glory and worship and love and leadership and sacrifice and humility and cooperation and duty and responsibility and all those things. Oneness is in God. And that's why Durell read today, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So if we lack fellowship with one another, what do we lack? We lack walking in the light as He is in the light. But if I walk in the light as He's in the light, then God will connect us with His oneness to each other. So where have I got to be? What place do I have to go to, to live in oneness with other people? I have to go to Him. I have to be in Him. And if I'm in Him, He is in me. And that creates this divine oneness that gives us the humility and the selflessness and the forgiveness and the grace and all that we need to be able to relate properly to us other human beings. This is unity, not uniformity. This is not a cult where we all have to look the same, dress the same, talk the same, like the, all the same things. 
This is not communism where it's all forced on us from other people, which only makes people angrier. This is actually God-created community compelled by love. God-created community compelled by love. Man, a lot more I could say on that one, but I'm moving on. And for that, you're grateful. Number three, what is the purpose of oneness? What's the purpose of oneness? He point blank tells us. The reason we are to be one has a missional and witness and evangelistic power to it. One reason the church lacks witness and evangelistic power is that we are so divided among ourselves that we're not distinctly contrasted from the division and conflict that is in the world around us. Jesus prays for oneness so that, here it is, so that the world may believe that the Father sent the Son. So that the world may know the Father sent the Son. And so that disciples would know that God the Father loves them as he loves God the Son. That's the purpose. So oneness isn't busy work. It's not this exhausting, frustrating, busy work. It is missional. It's crucial that our relationships to one another are so different and so unique and transcending all the barriers and divisions and categories that the world puts everybody in to create conflict and division, which is another reason there's an agendas there. We're to be so unique in the way we love one another that the world says only God could explain that. Only God could explain how those people who are so different in so many ways, how can they come together and sing the same songs? How can they come together in fellowship? How can those 28 people work every Tuesday in the food pantry and serve people? It's because they come together for a higher mission and purpose, which is to share the love of Christ with the community in tangible, real ways. Oneness is crucial because of its purpose, which is to point to and reflect God. Number four, here's the other headline. The power for oneness. Hey, all this sounds well and good. But what about the carnal, fallen, sinful nature in people? What's going to empower them and compel them to actually put aside their personal personal agendas and whatever that being curved in on ourselves and our pride and our, what's what's going to create in people the the ability to do that Jesus says the glory that God has the father has given to him he gives to us so that they may be one so the power for oneness is in the glory of God that lives in us. Well, what is the glory? Jesus says, I in them and thou in me. Simply put, the power for oneness comes only from God himself. Only from God himself. It has to be spiritually produced through the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, enabling us. This is kind of like oil for the engine. You know, your, your motor is very powerful. It's got all these moving parts and all this friction. What keeps that thing from combusting internally is, is the oil. So if you add love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness from, from God's glory into us, which is the relationship, I and them and them and me, 
if God gives us that, then that's fuel for, that's fuel for oneness rather than fuel for self-righteousness or self-justification or self-whatever you want to add to it. God's Spirit comes into your life and breaks you and humbles you and molds you to be able to love Him and other people. But let me give you a heads up and a warning. It is only produced by God and His Spirit. There is no other means to oneness. And we've tried. We've tried all the other ways. But there is only one way and it is Him. Then I'm going to close here and we're going to observe communion. Number five, the passion for oneness. God has passion for oneness. And one of the things that stood out to me about this text is the number of times that Jesus used the word Father. I counted six. One of the most powerful forces in all the world is a parent's love for their child and a child's desire to have approval and connection with the parent. Why is that such a powerful force? Why does that mean so much to us? It's because within God himself, there was the relationship between the father and the son that was very passionate. So so Jesus says this in verse 24, Father, I desire. It was something he was praying to with his father that, that he cared deeply for. In, in verse 25, righteous father, I know you. And what he's saying is that the love he has, the love relationship that he has, he's going to pour that into us. But I notice in this prayer that he says something. I have revealed you to them and then I'm going to reveal you to them. So I had to stop and ask myself, wait, what has Jesus already done that reveals the the Father? And what is he about to do that's going to reveal the Father's love for the Son and their love for connecting with people like you and me? Well, he's about to die. He's about to, to bear judgment from the Father for our sins. Is Jesus passionate? Is God passionate about unity? Oh, absolutely. Because he took everything that causes disunity, being sin and death and humiliation and anger and hate, Everything he took on the cross, he took for you and me so that we would never be separated from the ones we love. Well, who are the ones we love? Well, we love God and we love one another. When someone here dies and that separation occurs, that hurts because of love. We cry because of love. When anxiety and separation, discord hurt here and we're separated from people we love, that hurts. Jesus was so passionate to reconnect us to God and each other that he was willing to hurt in a way that will never hurt 
so that our relationships and hurts can be fully healed. So growing up as a boy at First Baptist Franklin, man, many sunny nights I sat there and we observed communion. We observed the Lord's Supper. I'll never forget that the first Lord's Supper I led as a pastor, I said to myself, boy, you should have paid a lot better, closer attention when you were growing up <laughs> to see how they did that because I didn't have any formal Lord's Supper communion training in seminary. Hey, man, you could apply so much of that to me as far as not paying attention. But let me give you this. One thing I did remember is that every Sunday night we took communion, we ended with a song. And that song stuck in my heart. I thought about it this week. I thought about it because one of my brothers, Kevin Marshall, his father died. I could see in Kevin's eyes. I could see in his brother's eyes how much they must have loved their dad. And how much he loved them. Man, that's a strong bond. And I could just tell in ministering to them this week. Man, they had a close relationship with their dad. Now what? Right? Now what? Well, their father's with the Lord now. And he's with their mother, his wife. But here's the song. Sing it every week following communion. We're going to sing it here as our doxology, I think and hope. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers our fears, our hopes, our aims are one. Our comforts and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear. And often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. When we are called to part, it gives us inward pain. But we should still be joined in heart and hope. To meet again. What is the tie that binds? The tie that binds is the cross of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. No wonder Jesus said in a cruel fallen world. That we need to do this in remembrance of him. Because all of us share in the guilt. That placed him on the cross. And all of us share together the benefits of the grace that comes to us from God through that same cross. Father, thank you for our time this morning in your word. I pray that we've communicated clearly the main parts of John 17. Oneness, koinonia, sharing. This very supper was called by Paul a koinonia, a sharing in the bread and the cup and the body and the blood of Christ. All of us receive. 
all of us need, all of us partake together at the same time, uniting us in what matters most. Uniting us in our sinfulness, uniting us in our forgiveness and the grace we receive. May each heart reflect on that this morning as we are obedient in observing what is called communion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If our deacons would come forward at this time, we will serve uh, the bread to everyone is invited to partake. If you're a believer in Christ, you are certainly invited to partake of our Lord's Supper. The deacons will serve. And then I will lead us in taking first the bread and then the cup.
writes to the Corinthians, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, and they did eat. Amen. Thanks be to God for the body of Christ.
same way he took the cup also after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and they did drink amen thanks be to God for the sacrificial offering of Christ represented through this cup. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Worshiping this morning as we close. Don't forget this evening, the five o'clock choir, and at six o'clock, adult children and youth will meet. Um, one family to pray for in a special way today is the family of Destiny Ray, a Heard County High School student who died in an automobile accident uh, this weekend. So let's pray for 
the schools and for, in particular, her, her family. That's uh, the family of Destiny Ray. Catherine, would you lead us, please? We're going to sing Bless Be the Tide together. plates at the back are for the last Sunday of the Lottie Moon offering permissions that we're taking. So that explains the plates. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> 